are in um, the middle of our series uh, on the Apostles' Creed. Today's statement is, I believe in the Holy Spirit, which is apropos of the fact that today is Pentecost Sunday. So we are going to be talking about why Pentecost is such a big deal in the life of the church and in our individual lives and why it should be celebrated um, in a big way by us each year. Let us start by reading Acts 2 verses 1 through 13, which talk about the coming of the Spirit in the life of the first church. This is what our scripture says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues of the, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crown came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygra and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God indeed. So when I think about Pentecost, penta means 50, if you know the, um, I don't know, the alphabet, 50, right? And so it's 50 days after Jesus died that the Holy Spirit came to rest on us. And us, the us that the Holy Spirit rests on are believers, people who have chosen to accept Jesus into their lives. So why is this a big deal? Did the Holy Spirit just come into being at Pentecost? The answer to that is no. And we're going to talk about the difference between the, the Holy Spirit's presence and the lives of those Judy, uh, Jews in the Old Testament. And then we're going to talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit after Pentecost and what that means for us. And as I was thinking about how we can understand the meaning of the Holy Spirit in our life better, I started to think about teams. Teams are an important part of our life. If you think about it, whether or not you ever played a sport, you have been part of a team. If you have a family, you've been part of a team. If you work, you are part of a team. If you volunteer, you are part of a team. If you have friends, you are part of a team. In my life, I have a team of people that walk with me through all of the ups and downs of life. Those team members include my siblings. They include my parents, my in-laws. Those team members include people that have walked with me for two years, six months, and then friends that I have had since the early years of my life. These team members also include my children, who are the most rambunctious of all the team members that I have. But they are faithful, and they are loving, and they are part of the group of people that walk with me every day. Regardless if it's a good day or a bad day, they are with me. 
but also a part of my team, somebody who I would misguidingly label as the captain of my team, because really, we're going to find out in a minute that no human can be the captain of our team. But if it was a human, the captain of my team would be Joe, my husband. Joe is my cheerleader. Joe believes in me. Joe is always right there next to me, helping me, whether it's in good times or in bad. Joe never leaves my side. Granted, we have our moments. They happen. We're married. It's real. But he never leaves the team. And the thing that we need to understand about our teams is that they take time and relationship and cultivation. But also what we need to realize about our teams is that they are made up of human beings, humans who can never be perfect, humans who we often look to to fill a need in our lives that honestly they weren't created to fill. We look to our siblings to be our partners and everything, but when we get in a fight, everything goes away. We look to our spouses to give us all the love that we need, to help us to feel um, like we matter, to help us to feel important. But at the same time, our spouses are humans, our partners, our girlfriends, our boyfriends are humans, and they cannot play that role in our life because guess what? They're going to mess up. And when they do, it's going to disappoint us. And if we put them on the pedestal that I want to put Joe on, the higher up he is when we mess up, the harder that fall is going to be in our life. Then there's our people we pay to be part of our teams. People like your doctors, your counselors, your teachers. We don't, well, we pay through taxes, I guess, your teachers. And we have expectations of these people, too, as they participate in our team. When, a, when our student is not doing well at school, the first thing we think often is not about our student, but what is that teacher doing wrong? Really? We do the same thing with doctors. We expect them to know everything when really they know some things and they can help with some things. I have always wanted one of my kids to be a lawyer and one of my kids to be a tax attorney and one of my kids to be with the IRS so that if anything happens in my life wrong, I got those people on my team. <laughs> I don't have to pay for that because those are the most expensive team members we can have, right? I don't think it's going to happen for me. I'm just going to tell you right now. None of my kids are interested in any of those things. But we constantly are looking to people in this world and things in this world to fulfill our needs, to make things right in our lives, to walk with us in a way that they just aren't created to walk with us. And so what we see at Pentecost, what we see happening to this first church, this first group of Christians, this first group of Christ followers, is them receiving a real member of the team that is actually meant to be the captain of our team in all seasons of our lives. And that member is the Holy Spirit. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit changes the way that it has interacted with humanity since the beginning of creation because the Holy Spirit did not come into existence at Pentecost. We see evidence of the Holy Spirit falling on people, falling on Abraham and Moses and David and being an active part of creation. In fact, in Genesis 1, we are told the Holy Spirit was part of creation. So the Holy Spirit is not new at Pentecost. It's the way that the Holy Spirit interacts with us 
that is new. And that's what we're going to have to learn today. So today we're going to look at a few things. We're going to see what's different about the Holy Spirit. We're going to also see what it means for you and I to live in unity with the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to see what it means for us that the Holy Spirit tells us that we're children of God and co-heirs with Christ. What does it mean to be a co-heir with Christ? Because all of those things happen with the coming of the Holy Spirit. So first I want to talk about David, King David. King David was a young boy when he was first um, anointed as king. He was super young, but he didn't get to be king right away. But as he was anointed, we are told in um, 1 Samuel 16, we are told that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, in the Old Testament, in order to have the Holy Spirit in your life, it had to be a special move of God, a special move of the Spirit. Only certain people had the power of the Holy Spirit fall on them, live in them, and be active in their everyday life. This is a big deal because that means that there's only certain people who were chosen, only certain people who got the wisdom, the truth, and the guidance that comes from the Holy Spirit. David felt such a difference in his life that we see in Psalm 51, him crying out to God, and he says this. He says, create in me a pure heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take the Holy Spirit from me. You see, David who was a king, had everything on his team. By the time he says this, from the moment that the Holy Spirit falls on him at a young age to the moment when he writes this psalm as an acting king in the world, David has all of the counsel he needs. He has all of those lawyers that he needs. He has all of the warriors that he needs. He has all of the friends he needs. He has all of the wives he needs. He has the people that he needs, the earthly human people. Yet still... David recognizes that his team is not complete without the presence of the Holy Spirit, that he is not as full, that he is not as good of a king, that he cannot do life the way it needs to be done without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he prays, he cries out to God, do not remove the presence of the Spirit from me, please, Lord, please. And so when we get to the New Testament and we see Acts 2 and we see the Spirit falling on people for the first time, what we see is the Spirit going from being a heavenly presence that has always existed to being a presence that lives, tabernacles, inside each of us every day of our lives. You see, what was only available to some people at some time is now available to all believers all the time, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. In fact, as Jesus was living on the earth, the Holy Spirit was not active in the life of the disciples. It was Jesus that was active in the life of the disciples. And we see Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus actually tells all of his, um, all of his disciples that he has to leave, that he has to die in order for the Holy Spirit to come and live with them. And why is that better than Jesus? I mean, I've wondered that before. Why was the Holy Spirit a better companion 
than Jesus? Well, the first thing is that the Holy Spirit's not human. Jesus on this earth took human form. Jesus could only be at one place at one time. Jesus could only be with certain groups of people, not everybody at all times. In order for the Holy Spirit to come and live in us, Jesus had to die and be resurrected so that the Holy Spirit would come and fall on us and so that every human would have that presence of Jesus in their lives because really, the Holy Spirit is how we connect with who Jesus wants us to be, with how Jesus wants us to live. We are told that this Spirit is an advocate sent in the name of Jesus An advocate, counselor, mediator, this advocate is the spirit of truth. Truth comes from the Holy Spirit, and only truth. Perfection comes from the Holy Spirit. Guidance, teaching. That as Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes, we now have a spirit living inside of us that we can access every day when we are struggling in life, when we need discernment, when we need to know what is next, our team captain is not a human. It's not your husband, your wife, your children, your job, your doctor, your lawyer. Your team captain should be the Holy Spirit. We're told that the Holy Spirit is an advocate that this Holy Spirit will come and discern for us, that this Holy Spirit will teach us and keep us in the way of Jesus. I encourage you to read through the book of John if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, because John speaks deeply about the work of the Holy Spirit. But for us today, we understand that there's a different way that the Holy Spirit worked. Now we understand that the Spirit is also a spirit of unity, This Holy Spirit brings you and I, gives us the power to be in unity with one another. Do you see that in our world today? No. Thank you. We don't. We don't see unity in our world today. We don't see unity within Christianity. We don't see unity in our communities. We don't see unity in our families. Yet the Holy Spirit came upon millions and millions of Christians Believers in God lives inside of us, yet still we do not have the spirit of unity that the Holy Spirit has brought to us. How's that possible? How, if I'm living in the spirit, am I one that brings disunity to the places that I go? How is it that we can look at the news every day and what we hear most about is infighting between Republicans and Democrats and the other little ones that don't matter because... Nobody votes for them. How is it that we hear about fighting damage that happens in communities because certain groups of people think that they're right about one issue and their whole life has become this issue instead of working to live in the spirit of God? It's hard for me sometimes to tell people that I'm a pastor because what I think they're going to think is that I'm a divisive human being that I have opinions that are going to shed on them a light that is not pretty, that I'm not going to accept them, that I'm not going to love them, that I'm not going to see their life as valuable. And the reason why that fear is out there is because there's plenty of Christians in this world today 
telling people around them that they're not enough, that they don't matter, that their life, their community, their way of living, their culture is less than what it should be. We have Christians in this world creating pockets of us and them. And in the kingdom of God, there is no us and them. They're simply the creations of God. And all of us are children of God, created by God on purpose for a purpose. Regardless of what we look like, regardless of where we come from, we all hold the same value in the eyes of God. Yet we go into this world and judge those around us as being different, and different is scary. So different must be less than what I am. See, the Holy Spirit came to guide us in wisdom, to guide us in love, and to guide us in unity, gives us the power to do those things we could not do on our own. We don't have the power to bring unity on our own. We must do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also testifies, this is an interesting thing, but when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you're wondering whether or not you really are a believer, when you're wondering about your place in this world, the Holy Spirit is that conscience inside of you that testifies that, yes, indeed, you are a child of God. It's the voice that speaks against all of those cultural things that tell you that you are not enough. It's the voice that speaks against the lies that you have heard so much that you've started to believe, maybe without even realizing it. Lies about yourself, lies about others. The Holy Spirit comes and testifies. It's our conscience. It's that peace inside of us that is calling us back home, that is telling us that we have stayed too far outside of the realm of God, and we need to start walking back to where we belong. This is the Holy Spirit. But the reality of the Holy Spirit in our life, as we've talked about, is not realized in our lives like it should be. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and yet I still yell at my kids sometimes. <laughs> not only that, I yell at my husband sometimes. So sorry. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and I will go to a store and look at the people around me and without even thinking about it, start making judgments about what they're wearing, about the way they talk. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and I still, still struggle to let the Holy Spirit be the captain of my team. So how, then, do you and I take advantage of what is available to us that wasn't available to most of humanity? All of those years before Jesus lived, the Holy Spirit was not an option, but for a few people. But for us, if you choose to accept Christ into your life, you get the power of wisdom that you could not have without it. So how do you tap into that? And this is the question for the ages, right? Joe and I went and saw the new Top Gun this week. And I'm going to say, I usually don't give any endorsements, but I'm going to say it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. But I also have to say that one of the reasons why I think I liked it is because I grew up watching the original. I grew up, in fact, 
my sisters and I didn't have caretakers after school, so we would go home and we would watch movies. And that was our babysitter, really. We should be doing homework, and we really didn't. We just watched movies. And there was a whole line of movies that we watched, but there's a set that we watched over and over again. And if I look at what it is I believe and what it is I think and the things that are negative inside of me, most of them come from what I learned from those movies. But I watched Top Gun so much that I could probably quote most of it to you. I watched Top Gun so much that the music, when I hear it, has an impact viscerally inside of me. Do you have music that does that to you? That when you hear it, you feel comforted, that when you hear it, you feel like you're seen, that you're known, it just does something inside of you. Well, when I was sitting in the theater this week watching the new um, Star Wars, not Star Wars, Top Gun, thank you, the music came on. And immediately I had chill bumps from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. And, I, and as the movie continued on, the music continued to be the music that I had always known. And then the scenes that were playing were familiar because it mirrored the other movies, something that I was so comfortable with. And I was always sitting there, God, I love how God uses stupid things like Top Gun to teach me spiritual lessons, but totally did, because I had this sermon in my head, and I was thinking, how do I relay how it is that we connect with the Holy Spirit? And God was telling me, you need to be as familiar with the Holy Spirit as you are with Top Gun, my friends. <laughs> and it was convicting, because I promise you, I have had fewer chill bumps from the Holy Spirit than I've had from a stupid movie. <laughs> But I was so familiar with the ins and outs of that piece of culture that it did things to my inside, that it brought me to a place of comfort, of peace. I felt so wrapped up in comfort in that movie theater, and it was a stupid movie. But that's how we're supposed to feel with the Holy Spirit. I have spit at my sides because I'm getting excited. I should be as familiar with the Spirit of God as I am with the things of culture, and most of us are not, and that is why we don't experience the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is why we don't experience the discernment we need when we need it, because we're not on a one-on-one -on -one familiar basis with the Holy Spirit. We're not connecting with the Holy Spirit every day. We are not spending hours of our time connecting with what already lives inside of us, the team captain of our lives. And if we want to get what the Holy Spirit has brought to our lives, then we have to invest time in that. We have to become in relationship with the Spirit. We have to get to know the Spirit. We have to get to know how to communicate with the Spirit. You can do that through prayer. You can do it through Bible study. You can do it through communication and community through speaking, but we have to be intentional. It doesn't happen accidentally. I wish it did because then I'd probably feel the same way as I do about Top Gun, but it doesn't. We have to choose to be in the presence of the Spirit. We have to choose to open up our hearts and our minds to the work that the Spirit wants to do inside of us, and that takes time. It takes choice. And that's all a choice we can make. That song that we sang early, come rest on us. Come rest on us. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. Be my captain. Guide me. Show me how it is that I'm supposed to be living in your presence and in this world. Show me how to be a spirit of unity and not a spirit of division. Show me how to step into my rightful 
heir nature as son of God. We are co-heirs with Christ, which means we get, oh, the word is, what do you get when somebody passes away there? If it's your parent, you get inheritance. inheritance. Thank you. See, that's my husband. He's, that's why he could be the captain. <laughs> it was gone. It wasn't coming. We get an inheritance. Jesus Christ gets an inheritance, and because we are also children of God, we are co-heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just in heaven, my friends. It's also here now. So today, as we get ready to take um, communion, I would like for you to take this piece of paper here and write on it something that you need from the Spirit or something that you need to get rid of in your life so that you have more room for the Spirit. How can the Spirit come rest on you today? And then as we come and take communion, you're going to drop your need in this water. And it's going to dissolve. And by the end of our time together, see, it's gone. Our needs will be taken up by the Holy Spirit. But I want to take a minute as we get ready for communion for you to pray silently and seek the Spirit's life in your life. Let's take a minute to pray.